Lead me to the rock, and then we're gonna learn a new song. Maybe a new song. Maybe some of you guys know it. We're gonna do that in a second, so just ignore that for now. Lead me to the rock that is closer than eyes. So a couple people know it. I figured I'd teach it to the brothers first. We'll teach it to the whole church later, but I'm definitely going to count on you guys to hold it down when we teach it to the rest of the church. I'm hold it's it a down. simple little song, and um, it's just a great reminder that, you know, we need each other to fight the fight of faith. So, <clears throat> and it's all, it's a, it's not a call and response or anything like that. We just kind of all sing together. But, um, I guess I'll just sing the chorus, and then we can, um, it, it's actually the verses in the chorus, so it's just kind of. It goes, you fight on, you fight on, you fight on, you fight on, put your hand in God's hand, and you fight on, you fight on, if you feel your hope is gone, if this world has done you wrong, you say a prayer, you sing a song. And you fight on, oh, you fight on, you fight on, you fight on, you fight on, you fight on. Put your hand in God's hand, and you fight on, oh, you fight on. Need a friend stand next to, fight together, me and you. Two, we can be strong, and you fight on, oh, you fight on, 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 put your hand in God's hand, and you fight on, oh, you fight on, God will be when you call, always Love will depend in 
Nick, you want to say a prayer for us to open us up, bro? <laughs> yeah, sure. Father, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for uh, the beautiful weather that has come after the storm. Uh, thank you for this time to be together with the brothers and get to the word. Hey. Amen. Hey. All right, so we're going to be talking about how to hear God. You know, this is something that I really don't have an answer to. I'm going to share a lot about my own personal experiences with what I've been wrestling with and experimenting in prayer with. But even before we talk about how we hear God, or at least how I'm hearing God, at least. Now, some of you might have seen your schizophrenic. I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm on top top of it. I still feel sharp. Um. How many of you, when you're praying, expect to hear God's voice? Define it. I mean, I expect to hear a response from God, but I don't expect to hear an audible. Okay. Anyone else? When you're praying, do you expect to hear God's voice? Fred. I, like, I don't hear typically an audible specific, but I find that if I ask a question and I wait, I do get a very clear answer. Mm. If I wait for him to answer. Amen. I can think back to a number of, of prayers. I'm just walking around and I'll start this prayer with man, I don't really know. And I'll come with questions and then usually uh, a block or two later, uh, just praying through and talking through. And yeah, I think I think very similar to Fred. I don't know the tenor of, of the voice that I'm hearing, but uh, yeah, I definitely, I know he feels spoken to at the end for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been struggling with this road, you know, for a long time. I um, so where I come out on it is I, I don't think God speaks the way we speak. You know, when we think of speaking, we think of a voice and words. God's not limited to that, and I, I think God speaks to me in my whole life all the time, hundred percent of the time, wherever I go. He, his presence is there. He's speaking. For me, it's more of a sort of getting in touch with what he's been trying to tell me all along for the last week or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and if I get to a quiet place, you know, out in the woods, space, quiet, then I, I can, you know, what, what God's been trying to tell me becomes very clear. Amen. I appreciate you sharing that. I think 
This is so interesting because there are, and, and, and I, and I want to validate everyone's experience because we've all experienced different things, and I think that's really important. But in there is when we read the scriptures, we see certain things too. And so it's like, how do I, how do I bridge the gap between those, what I see in the scriptures and what I experience? And how do I see and operate with God? Now, I am going to speak cautiously, but faithfully that I believe you will live a faithful life of Jesus if you don't learn how to pray well on one level, right? Like if you don't read the Bible and obey what you see, you'll be a-okay, I think. Now, I think prayer fuels that and, and builds up your faith. But I also think that there's something to be said about God still speaking, God's still wanting to work through his people. You know, most of us in here, um, in our fellowship of churches, we really put a high premium on the scriptures, and I think the scriptures are important. You know, they're God-breathed, they're useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I'm with that. And yet sometimes we say, man, God can only speak through the Bible. Or even in the Bible, he doesn't only speak through the Bible, which makes it an interesting circumstance to contemplate. Um, so a part of the challenge with prayer, I'm going to use a fancy word, epistemology, that's how you understand knowledge, is how do you know when God is speaking, when you're speaking, when things are speaking, or when you're just walking? You know, like, sometimes we can pray things and be like, was that a coincidence? Was that just happening? Did God even hear this? How do we know? And I think the rule... Um, the Emmaus Road in Luke chapter 24 is a good place to begin when we start talking about hearing God's voice. Um, can I get a volunteer to read Luke chapter 24, 13 through 32? Can I get a volunteer to read that? Go for it. Young Connor. Luke 24, 13 through 32. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in the word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb this, uh, early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. They did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. Day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. 
They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Amen. You know, I love this story because Jesus is walking with these two disciples um, and, you know, he's like, what, what, what's going on? What's, what's happening? They're like, oh, you didn't hear? Like, where have you been? You know, today we found out that um, Evan didn't know what happened on January 6, 2021. <laughs> he was like, what happened that day? And it was like crazy. You're like, oh, where were you, dude? Uh, in the same way, these guys just experienced the res I mean, the crucifixion of Jesus and Jesus is walking among them and he's like, what's happening? And when it comes to hearing God's voice, it needs to start with Jesus. It needs to radically start with Jesus. You know, a lot of times when we think about, man, where is the atmosphere in which I will experience God's voice? Usually many of us think of a worship conference, um, worship concert or something like that. And yet Jesus here the, from everything I studied, the, the road to Emmaus back to Jerusalem was about a mile, two miles, maybe three. So Jesus hung out with these guys for probably about 45 minutes to an hour and just expounded upon scripture as they were talking. And they, it was such a good talk. He's like, hey, come over into our house. The two guys are like, come into our house, hanging out. And then he breaks bread. They recognize him. And then he vanishes. But verse um, 32 says, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I believe we have to root ourselves in scripture. That way, when we, it is time to hear God's voice, whether audibly or something else, we know what voice we're listening to. And that's very important, guys, because... If we don't understand the, 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 the great shepherd's voice, then we could really harm ourselves and harm others and deceive ourselves. And so what is Jesus saying here? He reinterprets the entire Bible and he helps them reinterpret the entire scriptures to point to himself. He's like this, 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 Moses, prophets, law, all of it is about me. You know, um, I don't know how many of you have ever read Isaiah 52 or Isaiah 53. Um, what we consider the uh, um, prophecy of Jesus. If you talk to any Jew, and if you go back even before the time of Jesus, no one thought that was Isaiah's authorial intent. It wasn't like they thought Isaiah was right in thinking he was talking about Jesus. They all were fully persuaded Isaiah was talking about Israel. Like they're like, oh, that passage is about Israel. Christians, now that we see the resurrected Jesus, were like, Wow, that's Jesus so clear. That story of Israel is now manifest and made known through the person of Jesus. This is what Jesus was doing, and this is what a lot of the New Testament writers did. When they understood the resurrection, they looked back at the rest of the Bible, and they couldn't help but see Jesus everywhere now. Now Jesus became completely clear, and it wasn't like a one-off prophecy as much as it was, oh, now I can see the mosaic, I can see the big picture, and I see Jesus through the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi, at least in our Bibles. And so that's really important that we start there when it comes to hearing God's voice, when it comes to understanding God. And then when God starts to speak to us, I believe it will feel like what these guys experienced to some extent, a burning in your heart. You're like, ooh, I felt like that, mm, I should say, oh, wow, mm, I was praying and I heard God say, but maybe that was me, maybe that was the tacos I had yesterday. I'm not 100% sure. But I think that's God. And I think many of us have been in that situation where we've prayed and something's happened 
and instantly we go to the point of, man, I don't know, maybe that wasn't what I thought it was, or maybe this wasn't. Um, Mark mentioned earlier that I expect a response. I think some of us do expect a response. Some of us don't expect a response. Some of us hope we don't get a response because then we might have to do something with the response. And so, this is the starting point, I believe. This is why we need to be in the habit of just understanding God's word, wrestling with his scriptures as we move toward and move forward to hearing God's voice. Let's go to Matthew 4 4. Matthew 4 4. Can I get a volunteer to read that? Matthew 4 4. Anthony. What do you guys think Jesus is telling Satan here? Go for it. The word of God is necessary for life. Life is full. Okay. Okay. Nick, you 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 got some? Okay. <laughs> Sebastian. Amen. Let me ask you guys, because that's a good thought. When did a Bible become readily available for everyone to have in their hands? Anyone has an idea of the timeline? Seventeen hundred. So it's easy for us in 2022 to read that passage and say, okay, read your Bible daily. There's no one I think would have understood it that way because they were like, I didn't have access to it to bring it home with me and read it daily. So what do you think Jesus is saying here? Getting kind of scary. <laughs> I think if we don't know, if we don't hear God or know His words, then we're gonna spiritually die the same way we don't physically die. Wow. Well, I think too that back in that time, it was, there was a lot of memorization of the Word of God. You know, just carrying it around with you, quoting it to, to keep it fresh in your heart and your mind okay okay so he's quoting a passage in deuteronomy and moses is recalling the the journey in the israelites and he's i mean of the israelites and he's reminding them that they made it through the desert and are at, at this point getting ready to go into the promised land and that they did not survive on bread alone but on every word of god now think through that journey as you read through exodus to deuteronomy how many scenes do you have of the Israelites having quiet times? Like where you saw them like kind of in the desert and they're like scroll time. Crank it out. So what do you think? Because Moses said this knowing that they understood something about this reality. What do you think Jesus is trying to say here? about man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from God. 
Absolutely, that's really important. Um, what Lincoln shared earlier, like there is a, if, again, I'm gonna share a little bit my, my journey, and I, and I wanna give everyone room to say, Steve, that's your journey and I'm praying for you. So you don't need to feel the, the burden of I'm gonna imitate Steve's journey because I'm trying to figure out what it means to walk with the good Lord too. Uh, but there is a component in which Jesus and the apostles really did operate as if God was still speaking to them. They really went around doing things as if they heard the Holy Spirit communicating to them. They, they, they were able to say something and be like, that this, the Spirit showed us this, the Spirit revealed us this. And I think that's really important as followers of Jesus. And we come from a context within the restoration movement that we're, we're a little bit put off by what is considered charismatic. Like if I walked up to Nick right now and said, man, I was praying and God told me to just help you financially. Most people in our fellowship are like, I feel uncomfortable with that language. Why don't you just say you decided to help me financially? Why do you have to say God told me to tell you? How do you even know what God told you? Just help him. Don't talk like that. Because there's a degree of uncomfortability. Even when it comes to like evangelizing, maybe you're walking out and you're like, ooh, my heart is burning for this person for whatever reason. I know I should say something, but you know, I'm just going to act like God isn't telling me to say something. And instead of walking up to you like, hey, dude, I have no idea who you are, but I feel like God is telling me to talk to you and communicate with you. So I'm right here in front of you. Or what, are you thinking about God? Sometimes they're like, get away from me. Other times they're like, bro, I was just praying that God would connect. Whoa, you're like, whoa. You're like, whoa. I've had that happen, believe it or not. I've been walking on campus and be like, say something, say something. I don't even know what to say. Hey, man, I don't know. I just feel like God told me to talk to you. What's going on, dude? And they're like, dude, I was praying a prayer about you. Gave me, whoa. You're like, whoa, cool. And then other times, hey, God told me like to talk to you. No, I, I'm not interested in God at all. Okay. <laughs> Wrong voice, man. That was me. And, and, and these things happen. But I think there is a, an apprehension. You know, like, okay, no way God could tell me that. Matthew 28 is way better than Matthew 4.4. 4. Matthew 28 says, go make disciples. I could do that. I could live by that. I don't need to hear a voice to do that. And I agree with that. I don't think you do need to hear a voice. But I do think we need to open ourselves up and understand that what, what's happening here is God is speaking still, I believe. Um, let's go. Do anyone know what the word over here, Matthew 4.4, 4 is in the Greek? Anyone has ever done a Greek study? There's two words in the Greek. There's logos, logos, which is in John 1 that talks about the word become flesh. There's other places. It could be. The, um, the son of God, that's the logos of God. And it also could be like the reason, the logic, the message. And then there's another word that the Bible uses in the Greek for word or message or whatnot. And that word is rihimi, rima. Who could pronounce that word? Rima, rima. 
I like that. Sounds like it's official. Let's go with that, Bob. Rima. <laughs> Someone's gonna be like, that's not how you pronounce it. Like, whatever, dude. As long as we can read it. Okay. So God in Matthew 4, 4, he uses this word. And I want to kind of, there's actually so many scriptures. If you could find this word, I, I, I highlighted it in red and underlined it. You could kind of get an understanding of the way this word was used in the varying parts of the New Testament. And so in, in Acts chapter 28, verse 25, they disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. And what's the statement? The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said that, uh, when he said through Isaiah the prophet. Um, Hebrews 12, 19, to, to a trumpet blast or to a, um, such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, we are caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Now, there's about another 14 passages I could have used. But as you look at these three uses of this word here, what, what, what's coming to mind about this word coupled with Matthew 4.4? 4? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Second Corinthians twelve four says things right, inexpressible. Things heard, inexpressible things. Anyone else? Physical word. Yeah. You know, when I stumbled upon this a couple of years ago, this I was like, maybe I don't know. You know, I don't know how to read Greek. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, man. And I kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. And I, I reached out to some friends who do know how to read Greek and asked them, well, what did you think? Do I got something here or am I nuts? And they're like, bro, you got something here. And I'm like, come on, man. I could figure something out. I went to FIU. Um, and here, here's what. I think is happening here in these passages. I think Fred explained it really well. Like, I think there is a time where we can hear a statement, like what, what's about to happen with Paul, and he's like, this is the statement from the scriptures. This is what the Holy Spirit said. Or when the Hebrew writer is talking about what it's gonna be like approaching, or what it was like for the Israelites to approach Mount, Mount, Mount Sinai, and he's like, they heard God's voice. They heard it, and they're like, Oh, we don't want any of that. Or Paul getting caught up in this vision and saying, I heard things, but I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I heard stuff. It was like, I, don't even, I can't even tell you, even if I could describe it. I can't even tell you. And so, man does not live on bread alone, but he lives on every word of God. How do we know when God is speaking to us? How do we know when we're feeling that burning, 
that we saw in Luke chapter 24 when God is saying something to us. You know, again, I, 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 I um, looked up some stuff. I've been on this. Here's a little bit of my story. So I got baptized 2008. Uh, when I got baptized, I hadn't gone to church. I wasn't religious. And so one of the first things I recognized really quickly was, okay, what I was taught and what I was trained is how you get to know God is read the Bible. And then I remember someone did a lesson where they're like, the Holy Spirit will never say anything outside the Bible or go against anything in the Bible. I, now, fast forward in 2020, I agree with one part of that statement. I don't agree with it necessarily another part. But they told me the Holy Spirit would never say, like, God is not speaking anymore. He filled his entire word in the Bible. He's done talking. And so when I would study with my friends who were charismatic and they were like, oh, I heard God say this. I was like, oh, you, you, you don't even understand the Bible. And so fast forward a couple of years, 2013, I have a really good friend of mine who is serving in the ministry as well. And he tells me about an experience he had. And he is an otherwise honest individual, a man of integrity. And he tells me God spoke to him. And I was like, whoa, we don't talk like that. But I, I was curious. I'm like, what do you mean God spoke to you? He's like, bro, so I was praying. Remember the other day we were talking about this? And I started praying and God told me to do this. I'm like, did you hear a voice? That God, who does God sound like? Morgan Freeman? And he's like, no, I, I heard a voice, but I didn't hear a voice, if that makes sense. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. And then he's like, no, but you know, like, you hear a voice in your own. And he started explaining. And anyhow, that happened. And I was like, wow. He definitely got the sound doctrine, the right teaching. He's with the right crew. He's with us, right? Like, so he's not a loony. And he's on staff. He's not a loony. So I'm like, he's, he's just, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this dude. He said he heard God. I don't know. And then I, that was 2013, that was the first time one of our brothers in this fellowship just told me they heard God. And I just remember just being like, I don't even know what to make of that. Fast forward two years, I moved down to Miami. And in 2015, one of our elders and I go for a prayer walk. And then at the end of the prayer walk, we're talking and we're fellowshipping. And at the end, he's like, I really thought I was going to hear God today, but I guess not today. I'm like, oh, what do you mean by that? He's like, you know, maybe God would have said something to us. I'm like, what do you think? Through like a scripture, through something, through a sign or somebody? He's like, no, I actually thought I might have heard God today. We were asking to hear him. And I was like, wow, he's an elder. Either he's crazy, I'm crazy, or something's crazy. I just remember feeling uncomfortable with that conversation as well, 2015. I'm like, this dude just told me he expected to hear God. And he teaches sound doctrine. I seen it. I sat at his feet. Um... 2016, I started going through my own spiritual, what we consider deconstruction. I, I realized, um, you know, you get, no one ever knows when deconstruction starts. Does anyone need me to clarify what deconstruction is just so? Yes. Okay, deconstruction. So there is a foundation that is initially built that you're like, this is what it is. You know, when I got into our church, I'm like, I found gold. I found what I was looking for, what I wasn't really looking for. I'm like, this is it. Everything they do is checked by scripture. When we would do services, we prayed every three seconds at every part. And I'm like, this is it. This is 
what I need. And then I was given the tools or study series, like this is it, this is what I need. And then we got great books like from Douglas Jacobi, and who said, this is what the spirit does, and this is what the spirit doesn't do. This is what the truth is, and we're all faithful disciples. And so you have that image in your head, and you're like, this is perfect. Why does anyone hate this? Because they're loony. 2016, like anything else, you know, if your foundation isn't super solid, which is good, sometimes the Holy Spirit does that, two or three things shake, and the whole house starts looking a little whatever. And then you move a little bit of the paint, and you're like, oh, there's a crack here. And then you move, 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 and you're like, oh, this roof is going to cave. And deconstruction is let, let the roof fall, and let's now prayerfully reconstruct and build stronger and build a more solid roof. Does that make sense when I use deconstruct and reconstruct in terms of the analogy. I'm going to move over to faith, but in terms of the analogy. Okay. So in 2016, uh, a string of things happened. 2016, I had an interesting conversation with someone I looked up to. They meant well. They, they, they're awesome people. I love them still. But they said something that I was like, I didn't feel good about that. And then I shared with someone else that I didn't feel good about that. And they were like, that's just how it is. And I was just like, that's how it is, ugh. I don't feel good about that. And then I was um, having a conversation with another person in another fellowship. And you know, you get in those, those interesting Bible studies where you very rarely, but it happens sometimes, you meet someone who actually read the Bible and did what it said. Yeah. Where you're like, whoa, you repented and you were baptized? Wow. And so I remember going back in, and it, it was met with so much suspicion. So it made me doubt myself, too, because it was like, okay, no. If they really repented, they would have done brrrr. I'm like, maybe I should get rebaptized then. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Who's a, who's a Christian here? I, I think all of these people need to get rebaptized. And I was like, oh, for me, how I interpret that, I don't know if that's what the person meant, and I don't want to even assume that's what they meant. But for me, how I interpret that, that became, oh, when we say the Bible only speaks through the scriptures, it almost feels like it only speaks through us. And that was another piece of the wall falling. Like, no, there's no way it can only speak through us. We've been taught to, this is what we're looking for, et cetera. So 2016 happens. I'm starting to, like, wrestle with what do I believe and then um, David Brasseau was a good resource, but also a terrifying resource in my life. He did this whole podcast about violence and how Christians shouldn't be violent. And he's like, oh, if you're in a war with another Christian, you're going to kill him. And what are you going to tell God? I was like, dude, why? Who? Why? So brother gave it to me. I'm like, why you gave me this, man? And then I remember I'm, I'm going back to my leadership feeling like, okay. Why don't we say something about the violence that we see here if we believe this? I never hear us talk about violence. And they said something again, and it's just like another part of the wall fell. I started getting, 2017 now, I started getting thinking, I don't know if any of us really believe that we could really follow Jesus. I believe we think we could be moral people who don't look at porn, who don't cheat on their spouse, who don't do anything violent, but really following Jesus, I don't know if we actually believe that now. It's like kind of, I'm seeing how the sausage is made in the background. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know if we really could follow Jesus. And I'm wearing all of that, and I'm talking to people here and there, but not in great lengths because I don't want to terrify anyone or put them in a situation. I don't even know what I'm going through right now. 
And you know, you get on autopilot because you're like, I still got to be in the ministry. I still got to preach. I still got to do these things. And so I'm talking on one level and on another level, I'm like, what do I believe about that? I thought I had it all figured out. Fast forward to 2019 and the beginning of 2019, before Julian got pregnant, she got pregnant in the summer. So beginning of 2019, I was like, God, I'm looking, I'm looking for something. I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'm looking for something. I feel like this isn't real right now. And I'm like, I, I, I know the apologetics. I believe this, but it just doesn't feel real. It feels dead. I'm like, this is dead. This feels fake. And I get a text message from someone who asked me a question about, which often happens. Someone asked me a question about Genesis. They asked me about Abraham. And I shared what I thought about Abraham. And I just started reading about Abraham. And then I remember ending that time in the Bible. And I'm like, I want to find the faith of Abraham. I want to I wanna walk with God. I'm like, God, answer that prayer, please. January of 2019. February of 2019, I'm on a blog from a, a Church of Christ guy. And he talks about prayer. And he's like, hearing God and, and, and doing different things in prayer. I'm like, okay, interesting. I started reading it, reading it, reading it. And then he linked someone's book. I bought the book, started reading the book. And then they talked about prayer walks and they talked about hearing God. And then Dallas Willard came into my lap. I got the spiritual disciplines and I'm like, wow, this seems really interesting. And then as I'm reading Dallas Willard, um, a podcast is given to me by someone else. And then I go to a conference that's exclusively devoted to prayer. Because in the podcast, they mentioned, oh, we're going to do a prayer conference, how to pray. And so I went in like a thief in the night. I didn't let the entire Miami staff know I was going. I just left. <laughs> so I land in Kansas City of all places. You're like, what am I doing in Kansas City, Missouri? I've never been there in my entire life. And I'm in this prayer conference. And one of the things that was said, there was a couple of things that were said, that prayer is a mystery. And the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do what you want, but to be properly formed. I believe that, but I also want to add a little bit more to that a little bit later. So that happens, and I start praying. And that's when the little things started changing. That became like, and I was sharing all of my prayer experience with Julian. So I'm like, Julian, I was praying today, and remember when you said that uh, you, you weren't feeling well and whatever? Pray that you you would feel better. And she's like, I did feel better, but I don't know if it's the result of your prayer. I'm like, I don't know either, but maybe. I never used to pray that you would feel better. I just would be like, ha, get better. But now I started praying that my wife would get better. I just, I didn't, I don't know if it was a result of that. I don't know. I doubt it. But I started praying that. I started believing that. Second thing, in that year, we three years we were having challenges having a child. And I just said, God, you open up wounds, you start new journeys. I pray that Julian's with child. 48 hours later, she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, whoa. Now, odds are she probably was pregnant before I said that prayer, if you do the timeline. But in my head, I was like, maybe. But then in reality, I'm like, nah, I meant the timeline, though. She probably was pregnant two weeks before we find out. But 48 hours before, I said that prayer. And then I prayed that, okay, God, please guide me in a place where I could continue to experience what you're teaching me and what you're showing me and how I could do that in a way that's unified with, with our leadership here because really I really want to glorify you, et cetera. And I was like, okay, figuring out how we could do that in Miami. 
and Glenn gives me a call. Two days after that prayer, Glenn gives me a call. He says, hey, bro, I'm transitioning out of Portland. What do you think? I'm like, absolutely not, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come to Portland. And then he's like, can, can we get 72 hours? 72 hours. Let's talk about this again. I'm like, absolutely not. And I hang up the phone. I know my wife hates the cold. I know my wife is going to say, absolutely not. So I prayed, God, if you even remotely want me to entertain this, let me bring it up to Julian and let me see what she says. I said, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll bring it up to Julian. That first night, I was going to bring it up to Julian. I'm like, you know what? Nah, I know this is a, a moot point, wasted conversation. The second, the night after I said that prayer, I felt the burning that we talked, that we looked at in Luke 24. I felt God say, say something to her. You prayed to say something to her, say something to her, say something to her. I'm like, hey, babe, guess who called me yesterday? She's like, I don't know, a lot of people call you. I'm like, Glenn. And she's like, you talk to Glenn often. Yeah, but guess what he said? He's even Portland. She's like, ah. Where's he going? Boston. She's like, okay, well, I'm happy for him, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, also, guess what? She's like, what? He said he thinks I should interview for the job. And then she's like, huh, what did you say? I said we were not, we're not interested. She's like, oh, why, are, why aren't you interested? I'm like, I thought you're not interested. It's cold. She's like, I'm interested. I'm like, whoa, whoa. March, we're interviewing. The day we were interviewing, I prayed that morning, God, if this is what you want, show me through the spirit, this is what you want. We're going through our interviews, and in every single conversation I had when I was interviewing, everyone mentioned the spirit. That day, everyone, like everyone. You know our fellowship, if you know our fellowship, we don't talk about the spirit. Everyone in that interview. My first interview earlier that day with um, the leadership team, Glenn mentioned something about the spirit. My second interview, there was a call Fred was on, he mentioned something about the spirit. My last interview with the ops team, they mentioned something about the spirit. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, this is crazy. And then I was like, God, if you want me to go there, amen, make it clear. And then that became clear. Then I prayed one more prayer. I'm like, God, what is the first thing I should do? How should I go about what I'm going to do there? This is after I accepted. Um, this is about a month before I accepted the position. I'm like, if I was going to go, what's the first thing I should do? Well, what, what? Just guide me. Lead me. Lead me. Help me. Saturday, Sunday, someone walks up to me in the fellowship, and I'm like talking to them at an intimate level about potentially going to Maine. No one else in the church knew. And they said, man, New England, what makes you want to go there? I'm like, da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, yeah, I was a part of Nessum. It was awesome, da-da-da-da-da. He's like, what's Nessum? I explained Nessum. And then they were like, oh, so those churches get people connected to Europe? Yeah. Guess who I know is interested in going to France? Connor. I'm like, Connor? He wants to go to France? Like, yeah. Huh. I'm like, okay. I said, God. Yeah, I didn't ask for Connor, but you brought Connor up. I remember praying right before I called Connor. God, if it's him, let it be clear that it's him. I called him. He said, absolutely, bro, I'm on board. That was the first conversation. Then he called me back and, and confessed all his sin, and then he's like, do you still want me? 
<laughs> I was like, yeah, but the first, the very initial conversation, he's like, absolutely, I'm on board. Here's, here's what I'm saying, guys. Was that every single day in the 365 days of, from 2016 to present day? Absolutely not. But there, there became very clear things that were response and things that I was praying about. I was hearing God. I was hearing a voice. I heard things that I, I, I can't even explain. So did I hear an audible voice? The best way I could describe it is it felt like a feather touching your skin lightly and gently. Now, some of us are too busy to recognize the feather even touched you. You're just streaming through life and you don't even know that that just happened, like someone just said, hey. But for those of us who are paying attention, you know when a feather touches you, like something just touched me. That's what it felt like at times when I was hearing God respond to my prayers. Like, and I'm praying that, God, can you speak a little bit louder next time, just so I know. But how do we know? Well, here's what um, I, I, I took from this guy named Pete Gercher as I was studying in 2018 about prayer. And I, and I said, this is something I'm going to adopt for myself. He was talking about, this, is, he, this was his idea for beginners. It wasn't what he suggested for people who are praying consistently, but affirming prayers, affirming positive impact, like, so if you're praying things and you hear God say like, hey, give, give Nick $20 because he needs help, that's positive. Is there any biblical verse that goes against giving Nick $20? There's no biblical verse giving Nick $20. Is it like Jesus? It's like Jesus. So you walked up from your time in prayer and you felt like, okay, I heard that and now I can act upon that. There were other things you could pray that are like, hey, Help Nick get back Sarah. Is it biblical? God hates divorce. So, yeah, okay. But is it Christ-like? Well, Sarah seems like they do need to stay married. That's biblical. But maybe they don't need to get back together this very second because Nick is just too aggressive to Sarah and it's not a safe place for Sarah. I, I, I got to get more advice about that prayer. I got to get more input about that prayer. I need to test the spirit with that prayer. Hey, I'm thinking about... Um, starting up a, uh, a book reading club. Positive impact, sure. No one has ever been harmed mostly by a book reading club. Is it biblical? The Bible's a book. Is it Christ-like? Depends on what you're covering. But you know what, maybe you cover Christ-like things. But this is how you know that whatever you're, you're moved in your heart to do might have come from God. This is the beginning. Now, not everything that God is calling you to do is going to be comfortable. We see that in the scriptures. So I'm talking about for those of you who are not yet, was that my conscience or was that God speaking? This is an ABC to some extent on how to do that. Any questions about that as we, any questions about what I shared? Maybe you guys are like, Steve, your experience, I just lost 100% respect for you. And that's okay. I love you still. Lincoln. Yeah, there, there's a really great verse that's helped me a lot with this. Um, you know, I'll just read it. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 8, starting verse 1. This is the wisdom of God. Um, it's a lot of the things that you're saying. But Solomon says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances, she cries aloud. You, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. Open my lips to speak what's right. 
I now speak what is true for my lips to test wickedness, all the words of my mouth are just, none of them is crooked or perverse. To discerning all of them are right, they are faultless to those that know. It goes and goes on. But it, it's like uh, God is everywhere. You know, He speaks to us everywhere we go, gates, when we walk, around. Just everything you said here, I mean, it's, uh, his, his words are right, they're, they're true, and, and it, those, those three points, I think, are all, all mm-hmm. this passage. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fred? Yeah, I, um, I, I was not sure I wanted to share this, but I think I will. I'm an early riser, as most of you know, and usually around somewhere between 4 and 4.30, my, I'm starting to wake up. And this morning, just this morning, I was in that sort of nether state and just absolutely, absolutely as clear as if someone was right in the room. There was a voice that said, hey, Fred. And it was this incredible voice like I've never heard before, like sort of a radio announcer voice. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely had nothing to do with what was going on in the dream state or anything like that. It was just, it wasn't related to wherever I was, right? I don't even remember. But it was absolutely clear and it, it just made me sit up. And I thought, so I, I stopped and I said, can I, you know, is there anything, is there anything, you say anything else? It's <laughs> kind <laughs> like Samuel, you know, when, yeah. when God says, yeah. uh, Samuel, yeah. and Samuel runs in and finds Eli and says, what do you want? Because it was that clear. Yeah. yeah. And it was very strange, it was very interesting that you're talking about this tonight because of this, but that, I mean, and so then I got up and I went out and I prayed and I asked, you know, I said, are you, you know, speak Lord for your servant is listening, right? Yeah. Is there more? There wasn't any more, but I mean, it was, it was an, I, I've never had anything quite as sort of clear, clear as that mm-hmm. happening. And I think, um, you know, there's this wonderful passage that meant, has meant so much to me over the years in John chapter 5, where Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees, or he's explaining to the Pharisees, and he says, in verse 37, the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, because you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And, you know, and then in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, come to me, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. And it, this is, I think, something which has really transformed my life is to, because I was sort of Mr. Scripture for years. I mean, I grew up in the Church of Christ tradition. Uh, it's very hard to break out of the tradition we grow up in, in some ways. But I think that it became clear that the scriptures are good, but they're not leading us to Jesus. 
And then we're just going to have, we're going to know the scriptures, but we're not going to know life. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and when, when we are able to use the scriptures to know about Christ so that it leads us to Christ, that's when we really begin to have, begin to wake up, I think. For me, it was a, a major awakening spiritually uh, to start spending more time trying to come to Christ than to mm. learn more scripture. And I think that is very transformative um, to be there. That's not necessarily related to this experience this morning, but that was a complete, just a really, really, really intense thing that happened this morning. And it was interesting when you started talking about this tonight. I said, do I want to share this or not? But I guess in conviction, I guess it's Amen. right to share it. But Amen. Amen. Yeah, I mean, and again, if you feel like you want to push back, we want to create the space where you can push back to you, like Steve and all you guys who just share your nuts. <laughs> I don't think you got the crazy. This is pushback, but I have the exact, I've had the exact opposite experience in the last six years that you had. And nice. I just felt uncomfortable sharing it, so I appreciate you opening up on your experience because for me, it felt like everyone around me did hear the spirit and did think about God in those terms and the outliers were the ones that were like, no, it's really just the scriptures. Like that was, so it was like the reverse. Come on. For me, and I felt like, man, maybe there's something wrong with me because I feel like that's how I naturally think. I, I usually go into the Bible and think really methodically through the scripture because I feel like not because like oh that's the best way to know God, but more because just my temperament. Yeah. That's just my temperament. Yeah. Because um, I didn't I didn't grow up in Church of Christ at all. I grew up in a in a, a soup of Christianity. Nice. <laughs> my mom was a whole bunch of different traditions. Fired up. Yeah. So I did. I was. I entered a space that was confusion, and then having a scriptural approach provided this clarity, but then a lot of my close friends, they had more of the experience that, you know, that close friend that you introduced this idea to, and we were like, whoa, like, hearing God, like, it's like, all my close friends were kind of thinking along those lines. And I, I felt like the outlier. Oh, so man. I think I'm in a place where I, this is a good way to kind of expose me to something new. I need to figure it out because I feel like I'm too comfortable in a space of kind of like the Pharisees in John chapter 5 where you know they were just diligently studying the scripture so I feel like that's where that's the space that I'm in right now yeah no I appreciate you sharing that and again I think a I think all the guys who shared already would say they take scripture extremely serious <laughs> take scripture extremely serious um, but also, because we take it extremely serious, we anticipate God. You know what I mean? Like, we anticipate hearing God. But, again, that's one of the hardest things about hearing about experiences, right? Like, because everyone's experience is uniquely different. Like, I could share with you about my marriage, yeah. but it would be completely different from anyone else's marriage. Yeah. And so we have to be careful. Um, we could be inspired, maybe, but, like, just be careful that we're not looking for a one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, my journey will be just like his. Yeah. I, I just like... 
as I've gotten more serious about really evaluating scripture for myself, what does it really say? I've come to the conclusion that all of the verses that the Church of Christ uses to say that the the only way the Holy Spirit works is when you read your Bible, he helps you understand your Bible. And that that that's basically all he does. And he helps you understand your Bible better so you can implement the Bible better. And when when I actually take all the verses that are text cases for that, they're just crazy. It's crazy. It's it's just not sustainable. Now it doesn't mean I, I know what exactly what the answer is. I'm saying this, but but those scriptures are not sustainable in the context of where they were written. They're, they're taken out of context, and I just um, you know we have to be really careful. I think that God has given the scriptures as sort of a moral boundary for us to live in. So some very clear boundaries that we have to live within. But inside those boundaries, he's got a lot of other stuff going on for us to do. And we have to learn how to listen to it. Amen. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Connor, Dan, Rinaldi. So, so, so you mentioned something that I can relate to. Like, you know, we pray for your wife who's pregnant. Oh, she not get the news. Oh, no, she's probably pregnant two, two weeks before, whatever. And then continue to, like, like rationalize it away with logic. I think that's something that I totally do. That's prevented me from like praying for healing for anybody or like praying anything outside the heart for people. Uh, uh, you know, I think that's something. And, and I think just you know, Fred did a remarkable sermon earlier. I think this year um, about prayer. And we did we did events midweek about prayer. And I think that was really really transformational for me. But I would say like in in, in your experience, I guess was it experience that. Well, I guess like 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 where do you where do you find that you stand in your discipleship on that rationalization part? Like, is it are you still quick to rationalize away what could be working out? Or okay, well, now maybe it was just this this that and this scientific thing, and or maybe it was you know this natural process that just led me here. Yeah, that's a good question. So I I have been thinking about miracles, especially in light of the resurrection. Yeah, and I think probably. I mentioned a couple of months ago that, you know, our secular age has impacted us a lot. I think, I think miracles might be a category error where I think science is probably a better term. Like God comes into creation. It isn't like a one-off situation. God is actively always present in creation. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Like at whatever point. And so when I call something a miracle, it becomes I'm looking for uh, a scientific um, anomaly as opposed to a sign, then I think once I've, I'm I'm, I'm learning, I sometimes still use the language miracle, but I'm learning more, if I think sign, then I'm thinking what what is being pointed to. And so when things happen, I'm like, oh, what's being pointed to, as opposed to, okay, what laws of physics were just defied right here? Um, So that's been helpful for me, Um, but I'm still figuring it out to a large extent too, so. But that's, I, I, I think I move into more signs like, okay, that's a sign. That's the, that's, that's the words that the scriptures use, signs. Signs and wonders. You're like, okay, that's a wonder. What am I wondering? And how do we wonder about it? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I just wanted to add, um, I think this was good because I think it's helping me to break out of comparison. Because I think when I spoke earlier, you mentioned, you know, you don't want to make it a one-to-one. And I think that's another thing where I instinctively what I got from tonight is we're all on our own 
journey? Collectively. Collectively. Well, we're collectively going on a <laughs> yeah. journey. And yeah. that journey can take us to places we don't expect. Yeah. Because it's like, it's easy to expect, oh, it's going to be A, B, and C. But God can literally be like, no, it's X, Y, Z. And, and are you open to that? Yeah. Are you listening to that? And so I think this was good for me because I feel like, you know, like I'm not just on a physical journey, like going from Boston to Portland. Amen. 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 Lincoln, then Mark. God, God transcends time. Yeah. Right? God is beyond time. So yeah. I totally believe that God answers your prayer. Come on, bro. Some days I really believe that too. Some days I'm like, I do believe, help me overcome my own belief. But I think, oh, oh Mark, then Tim. I was going to say, so like, uh, I think this slide's great, but you're looking for a scripture to kind of say the same things that slide. We got James 3, 13 through 18. Come on, man. Worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. The way to test, you know, when you have this, you know, feeling to do something, is it a temptation from Satan or is this, you know, something God wants to Preach it, brother. You you going to read the passage? Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, starting 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show up by his good life, by deeds done, humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and show up the same selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. Uh, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a heart, harvest of righteousness. Amen. Amen. Tim? Yeah, I just wanted to share that um, I'm not really one for saying amen during sermons and lessons and stuff like that. I just wanted to thank you, brother, because, you know, I've been a disciple. Actually, I became a disciple in 2008 as well. In my time as a disciple, I've never had a conversation with a group like this. I think this group means a really extremely powerful experience from everybody. Amen, bro. I appreciate that, too. All right. So, last scripture, uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through verse 3. It's one of the most interesting passages in the Bible. Can I get a volunteer to read it? Go for it, Bob. You know, these guys are in Antioch doing incredible work, and they're praying and fasting. And I don't even know why they're praying and fasting. We don't know. But we know as a result of their prayers and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, I want these two, Barnabas and Saul, to do 
unique work for me. And he set them apart. Again, I think this is one of those passages where it could feel like, how do we know? But I, I think there are times where you just got to make a decision, right? You don't really got a lot of time. Like when God led Moses out of the wilderness and, and Pharaoh and his army was right behind him and they're getting to the Red Sea. Like, God got to act this second. Otherwise, we're going to be dead, right? But there are other times where we're on no proverbial shot clock. Anyone who knows basketball, you have 24 seconds before you have to um, shoot the ball. We're on no shot clock. And sometimes we can wait on decision in prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. We can wait. We can wait. And then maybe the Holy Spirit says, here's what I want. We can actively wait. That means we're still waiting to hear from God, but we are, in the meantime, we know what God desires, and we get to do that in the meantime, but we wait into the, and I think it ends up being a situation, not, not saying this is the situation, but it could end up being a situation like Rinaldi just mentioned, where it's like, or what I was mentioning, where someone said Holy Spirit, someone said Holy Spirit, someone said Holy Spirit, someone said Holy Spirit, someone said help the poor, someone said help the poor, someone said help the poor, someone said help straw water, someone said help straw water, hey, I don't know what happened in the last two months, but I think we need to help Strawwater. It became clear to everyone here that this is what we need to do. And then when we go, instantly we think it should be nothing but victory and amazing things. If you read your Bible enough, wherever God sends his whole people, expect trouble, hardship, and then amazing things. You know, sometimes we, we could preemptively step in. Look at Paul and Barnabas' journey. Like, a couple of months into their journey, you would have been like, I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit, because you guys are experiencing a ton of hardship. No way the Holy Spirit sent you guys to go do that. And then as we read the end of the book of Acts, we're like, oh, yeah, that was totally the Holy Spirit. That made total sense. It all made sense. So I do want to just acknowledge that following the Spirit, hearing God's voice, do not equate it with the easiest and most perfect road. I actually would put before you Denying God's voice is probably the easiest, most perfect road for you. Like bare minimum Christianity will create minimal stress for you. But like, like Fred mentioned earlier, that won't give you life right. and life to the full. Yeah. Fred. I think uh, this is a really good text case for the traditional church of Christ thinking of which we are inheritors. And that is they prayed, they fasted, and they they went out on a mission team. If we pray and fast and send people out on a mission team, we'll be awesome too. We'll be like this. Uh, they didn't know what they were doing. At all. I mean, that's what you already said that. Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing. They were. It says they were worshiping and the Lord and fasting. Now the Holy Spirit took their openness and did something extraordinary. So the, the traditional view in the church that we grew up with and that we are all, um, it's in our DNA, is that there's this idea of pattern theology. There was this pattern that God gave us. If we follow the pattern, we'll be awesome too. What I've come to the conclusion personally is that the book of Acts says, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll be awesome too, but it'll probably be different. We'll, it'll be a different story. Yeah. But it will be equally amazing if we learn to listen to the Spirit. In other words, if, if we as a group sat down and worshipped and fasted and waited and really believed that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit may come down and tell us to do something which is totally different than this, 
but it would be still of the spirit, right? And I think we need to be, this is, this is just a textbook case of, <laughs> of sort of a, our movement uh, early on. Now, I think we did amazing things and there are lots of people, probably everybody in their room owes their salvation to the work that was done. But, but still, the, the real thing that was going on here is that they were waiting and they were, they were busy, they were converting. The story of Antioch is they were converting many, many, many people, right? Mm -hmm. But in the midst of it, the leaders were praying and fasting and they were waiting for, okay, what do you want us to do next? While we're, while we're amazingly baptizing, many people come to the Lord and Saul and Barnabas teaching many, many people and many people were being converted. They were still looking for what God wanted them to do next. Yeah. Impatient, patiently. Yeah, and that takes a lot of work. A beautiful example of the, like, like, I mean, I'm sure that's why you picked this passage out, but let's not, let's not make the mistake of just reverting to this idea that, okay, let's have a day of prayer and fasting before we send out the next mission team. Because maybe the mission, maybe the mission team isn't what he wants. Maybe the, if we listen to the Spirit, he'll tell us to do something else. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I want to just encourage you guys, if you want, uh, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I don't believe it just has to be audible, right? So it doesn't have to be just audible. It could be, hey, God, speak to me, and then you see something on Netflix, and it's very clear that that was a response, if you're paying attention, that that's what God was doing. You know, so Holy Spirit, speak to me. Invite me to participate in what you are currently doing. So the Holy Spirit, I believe right now as we speak, is doing something in this city. We can say, God, invite me. I want to I party with you. Bring me to that party. And the Holy Spirit is currently doing a good work in you. Complete it. Like, God, you're doing a good work in me. I don't know. I hope I know what the work is. But even if I don't know what the work is, complete it. Maybe it's me to grow my humility. Maybe it's me to grow my zeal. Maybe it's me to grow in my patience. But complete that work in me. And I believe, long-term or short-term, the Holy Spirit will set you apart for a good work, whatever that work may be. And so um, now this is the official end of our prayer series because we are going outdoors next month. But this is the official end of our, our series on prayer. Um, any closing thoughts or questions as we kind of wrap up? Any pushbacks? Again, I really welcome the pushbacks. Nick. So, I'm still processing my thoughts in this conversation, but um, this is a really interesting topic, and I'm glad you brought it up, because I, there are several people in my life that I've talked to about hearing from God, and whether it's One of them, actually, my dad, he talked about one time, he was praying about, he was working in the ministry at the time, and he was going through some hardship with the elders at our church, and he was trying to push him to be more biblically sound, and um, he was getting a lot of pushback. And so he was driving home, and he was telling me that he was praying, and he didn't hear an audible voice, but the question he was asking God, he's like, I just want to know if the work that I'm doing is the work that you want me to be doing, and that 
he described it, it was just like, it wasn't a voice, but it was a message that just said, yeah, I'm proud of you. Mm. That was it. No, like, keep going, like, press on. It's just like, no, I'm proud of you. Small pep talk. And, yeah, and, and that was it. And, you know, that's, that's probably the most distinct um, example of someone in my life hearing God's word, but, or hearing God's voice, I should say. But, you know, one thing I've wrestled with is, you know, if, if prayer is our way to connect to God and to hear God's voice, um, I've heard lessons where, you know, someone's talking about, you know, you are not living a righteous life. You are living in sin and you haven't confessed it and you haven't repented. And you try to pray to God, God's going to ignore you. Or, or God is like, if you're trying to talk to someone, if you're trying to talk to God, and they're the person on the other side of the room, he's just going to turn his head and, and not acknowledge you because you're in sin and you're not repenting, right? So, so hearing lessons like that, it's like, okay, so there are, I wouldn't call it a checklist, but there are things I need to be doing in my life that enable my, or, or give me a greater chance to connect to God and, and potentially hear his voice. And, and hearing this, this conversation tonight, I, it reminded me of, like the only analogy I could think of was fishing. And so, you know, if I'm trying to fish, and let's just say the fish is God's voice in this example, um, I am, you know, I've got my waders, I've got the fishing pole, I've got the, um, the worm or whatever bait I have, I've got uh, all the gear I need, and I'm in the river trying to fish because I, I want to get that fish. So, I guess in, to translate the analogy, I'm, I'm in the word, I'm praying, I'm, I'm trying to seek God in any way that I can, but I don't always get a fish. I can do everything right, and I don't get a fish. And so, and you just mentioned, like, there's, there's this idea of actively waiting where Know, and, and some of you who've shared experiences, like, you know, you, you get up early, you have a quiet time, you, you have this opportunity. You don't always hear God's voice. There, there are examples where it's kind of like almost random, maybe not random, but, but it's like you do the same thing for years and years and years. But on this particular day in 2016, I heard God's voice. So it's like this idea that if I'm fishing, I need to be actively fishing, and and I can catch a fish potentially, um, but I might not. But I should be trying. I should at least try to be catching a fish, and so I should I should at least be trying to hear God's voice because. Um, Every, every, so far in my life, it doesn't happen consistently. It's not like there's one person I can point to and be like, okay, this guy or this woman 
they hear from God, they hear God's voice three times a year, and that's happened every year for the last 30 years. Like, there's no formula that, that produces that outcome. And so, for whatever reason, it seems like God is, and that's, to Lincoln's point, like, it, God is above, is above time. Like, time is not important to him. And for us, it is. And so, like, there have been times in my life where I'm like, okay, I need to hear God's voice right now because I'm trying to pick a grad school, and I'm, do I go here, do I go there, do I even pursue this degree? I don't know. I've got two months to make a decision. Didn't hear God's voice in those two months. So I, I made a decision, and here I am. Like Come on. You know. So it's just one of those things where I, I would love to hear God's voice. I absolutely, every day I want to hear God's voice. But it doesn't work like that. And it doesn't seem like I haven't met anybody who's, who's three times a year. Consistently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would add before uh, Fred add that A, God is good, right? So right. even if you don't got your fish in the tire, he could still figure out how to reach out to you if you're reaching okay. out to him. Um, using that same analogy. And I also think um, it starts with a desire like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you've talked to all the guys who, who even remotely, it started with a desire which you just shared. Like, okay, I want, I, want to find the, I want the faith of Abraham. You know, like I want to find God. I want to find out where he is and how do I connect there. Um, and, I would, and I would even encourage you to uh, start with that prayer. God, I want to hear your voice. Maybe he might just say, he just said, hey, Nick. And you're like, yeah. (laughs) Conversation done. (laughs) Oh, go ahead, Fred. I think we need to be, we need to look at people like Abraham. Abraham was 140 years old when he died. And how many times did he actually have a personal encounter with God? Five? Probably. Five or six, where God actually, 140 years, five or six times, but he was faithful. He was faithful to God when that happened, and he was faithful to God when it wasn't happening. Daniel, how many how many prophecies did he have? Four or five times, all right? How old was the guy? He's been around for years. Look at Moses. I mean, Moses was in communion. He would go into the tent. Now, Moses was unique, but... Most of the people in the Bible, Jacob, Isaac, these guys, they lived to be 100 years old, 120 years old, 90 years old. Noah, 600 years. And he probably only encountered God a couple times, three or four times that we know of. But he was faithful, right? And so I think we need to be very careful that we don't set ourselves up for being disappointed because God doesn't speak to us every day but still expects us to be faithful to what we know right I mean that's the key Mm -hmm. and when he wants us he'll he'll make it clear so don't be don't be yeah I mean everyone is just different journey for everyone like I don't like I agree with Fred to some extent but to some extent I don't um, which is all good <laughs> Debated out. Like I, you know, like I agree. I mean, we don't know how often Abraham connected with God, 
right? I mean, there, there, there's these big experiences that we find in the Bible, but that, that you don't really know his personal walk with God. And I, my experience is that I, I think, um, you know, like, you know, when I go out in the woods and, and get a couple of hours out in the woods with God, I always, always, you know, like, he's there. And it's just me, it's a question of me opening up my heart But no, this is good, guys. I think this is what I desire, honestly, that we talk about stuff like this. We talk about what it means for us to walk with God, what it means for us to hear God. I think that should be a normal part of our fellowship with one another. Um, so I'm grateful for you guys. We are done. Um, have a good night. Thank you,